Amen. Hallelujah. I believe that was very powerful. Amen. Thanks, Brother Emmanuel. There's a chair there. I believe that was very powerful. Amen. It's very important that you understand what Melissa just said. You know, uh, I was just listening to her. You won't say she won't prepare her. You'll say like she went home and she prepared and stuff. But I just told her maybe not even a half an hour, maybe 15 or 20 minutes that she shared in on the offering. And she did so well. Let's give Melissa another hand. Amen. Amen. Um, She said something so powerful. Uh, She says that 20 this year that we must name our offering, right? So when you think about it, naming naming your offering, it's like kind of like absurd, if that's the word I'm using. Say absurd, okay, whatever. So anyway, it seems strange to put a name on it or whatever. Because the scripture says, for example, what can you give in exchange for a soul? You can't give nothing, but it's not a problem to, to name your offering. Whether, for example, I'm praying for my loved one, this one, whatever. But if you just think about it for a moment, how much can you give for a soul? Can you, can, do you think your currency of money or your, your currency that you have can give for a soul? Your money, your money can't give in exchange for a soul. You understand? So when you place value on a soul, it's more, and I always say, if you, if you only are able to give money so that somebody else can go and win the soul. So when you give an offering, what you do, you help with the extension of the kingdom of God so that we can reach more people to win more souls, right? But if you can do something more, if you can go out and win that soul, go win that soul. You get what I'm saying? Don't just give your money. I always tell people that don't just give your money because your money can't give anything in exchange of a soul. But if you have the ability to go and win that soul, go and win that soul and you'll see the blessing of God in that as well. Amen. I said amen. Are you in church today? Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Come on, just pray in tongues, amen, for a minute. Libro sabrande, libra alavando sadia, ia valadu sade kada lavandele kede kede kaparando sada, reke jabakatun dele kede kataya, raparundele me kadea, le vataya satum, ramandele kundalaki braandele kede, reke varundalaki jataya, rakazatu se kede kede kadea. We pray that the heavens would open, kaparundele kede. Ravanda la du sataya libre andu sata remalande lebe kaparande lebe lebe kataya and that your glory will sit on your children tonight in the name of Jesus the God that you would speak to them O God Father I pray for a deep fire 
a deep fire, O God, to be stirred up on the inside of them, wherever there was something that was lost. May the fire of the Holy Ghost bring it up to restoration, to restoration in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And we bless you, Father. We honor you and we welcome you and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your faithfulness in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Amen. This is the first Thursday of the new year. First Thursday of the new year. First Thursday of January. Amen. And I would like to talk to you today about seven principles. But I'm not going to deal with all seven principles. I'm going to deal with just one at a time. So I would like to talk to you about that today. So when I talk about seven principles, I'm talking about seven principles that pertain unto your salvation, that pertain unto your awkward God, all right? So when I, when I say that, please understand what I'm saying. So I'm talking about seven principles. There's a lot of principles that are out there that pertain to various other things, but I'm talking about the seven principles that would pertain unto your salvation. I want to welcome Tegan. Let's give Tegan a hand. We haven't seen Tegan for long. <laughs> I, I sent some soldiers out for you to hunt you down. <laughs> you are on the heat list. It's so nice to see you. Amen. God bless you so much. Uh, amen. And we also thank God for Shawan as well. Shawan's, yeah, amen. God bless you, Shawan. Let's give Shawan a hand. Hallelujah. Is it Richards Bay? Not Richards Bay, yeah? Where, where are you from, Shawan? Newcastle. Amen. Hallelujah. We bless God for his life. Amen. Are you in Proverbs chapter 4? Amen. And all those that have been missing, Sister zane has been missing and she's back. Hallelujah. Back from Peter Marisburg. Hallelujah. We thank God. She caught the hailstones. You'll see the news. Uh, Peter Marisburg and the hailstones. She was in the crossfire. Amen. But we thank God that she's here. Amen. And uh, when I say to the guys that went out to evangelize during the week, a big God bless you. Amen. Go out and do it again. Amen. And... And preach the gospel, hallelujah. Do it again, and do it again, and do it some more. Don't stop, hallelujah. Souls must be saved. Are you in Proverbs chapter 4? Look at somebody and say, a soul is a soul. And it's precious to God. It's precious to God. Let's get into the word of God. Amen. The Bible says wisdom is the principal theme. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, understanding. And that's why we were praying for, uh, we were praying for the spirit of understanding. Then the Bible says exalt her. The scripture refers to wisdom as a woman. Ah, wisdom is a woman. So wisdom is referred to as a woman and wisdom is referred to as a spirit. All the ladies lay your hand on your head and say, I am wisdom. Ladies only, I am wisdom. Amen. <laughs> the Bible says, uh, 
Exalt her and she will promote you. She shall bring you honor when you embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ointment of grace, a crown of glory she shall deliver to thee. Now, I'm not saying the woman is going to deliver that to you. I'm talking about wisdom. Because you understand that there are also foolish women as well. We understand in the scripture about the wise bridesmaids and the foolish ones. So there are women that are dumb as you can be. But according to society, or according to the way men see, or people see it, they think men are the most dumbest and the most stupidest creatures upon the face of the earth. When you get movies like Dumb and Dumber, you understand? Anyone watch Dumb and Dumber? The men are crazy. They are stupid. <laughs> I remember I was watching on social media. I don't know. It is a trailer of one movie. These two guys were in the car and they were eating a spliff. Uh, okay, sorry. They were eating a zol and they were smoking the zol's cave. And as they was the they got, the guy said, this one, yeah, puts people in a hospital. Remember the lean, a big team. He says, me, I'm able to take on any scape, any, any, you know, cigarette. I'm going to use scape, is that fine, right? I'm able to take on any scape. I'm able to do this thing. Give it to me. Hey, I'm a... Not even two minutes or one minute. Can't see, it's like... Where are we, dude? Like, you know, he just got dizzy. Like, he just got dumb. Why? Because he was high now. He was good. Even the driver, the driver never smoked. But the smoke from the sky hit the driver and he also became goofed. And as they were driving, they hit into a pole. And they think they're still driving. (laughs) And they thought, so when you look at that, you will consider that person dumb. But the scripture says, with all your understanding, with all your getting, get wisdom. Because wisdom is the most principal thing. Now, it's important for you to understand that most choices or most decisions that are made in your life and that have bad consequences, it was because there was no wisdom applied to it. Now, what is wisdom? Wisdom is knowledge applied. You understand? So, for example, if I say the lean is wise, it means that there was some information, some knowledge that she had, that she applied it, that made her wise. You get what I'm saying? So most of us want wisdom, but there's no knowledge. No knowledge on the inside of us. So wisdom can't come without knowledge. Why? Because you know something, you understand something, and you apply that thing, then you are called wise. You understand? I'll use an example. If we say that you need to have wisdom when it comes to your money. So what am I saying to you? Now I have I've spoken to you about uh, managing your money, putting your money in a savings account, blah, 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 whatever. So what happens is when you get money, you have the wisdom, you have the knowledge, sorry, that pastor preach or pastor say that I must save money, I mustn't just spend money. You got the knowledge of it, right? 
So it doesn't mean that you are wise because you got the knowledge of it. It doesn't mean that you have wisdom because you have the knowledge of it, right? So you can have the knowledge of something, but not apply that thing. And then we call that person foolish. Why? Because that even though they had the knowledge, I said do not walk in that place. You got the knowledge because in that place it's danger for you. But what you do, you go ahead and you walk in that place. Fool, I told you not to walk there. Don't touch the stove, it's hot. But you go touch the stove. So you got knowledge that you mustn't touch the stove. But you touch the stove. You are fool. Why? Because you had the knowledge of it. But you still did uh, contrary to what you have received. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. You did contrary to what you have received. So for example, we say, don't be alone with that boy. What's that? That's knowledge. That's information. You need to understand it. So you become a fool when you are alone with that boy. But you become wise when you refrain from it. Why? Because you receive knowledge. You got some knowledge. So the only time you become wise is when you apply what you've received to your life. We'll say speeding kills. You got the knowledge that speed kills. I'm giving you examples so that you can understand. Speed kills. Drive fast. You can die. What happens is that some of us don't care about that knowledge. We drive fast and we move fast and we move fast. And then what happens to us? Some people eat into accidents. You eat into somebody. You couldn't break fast enough because you were moving at a certain speed that you were not supposed to move at. What happened? You received knowledge, but you became a fool because you never apply that knowledge. So you'll hear people when they, foolish man, how can he do that? Well, because you know that speed kills, you got knowledge, don't. You understand? That's what the Bible says. It's only a fool that can say there is no God. Only a fool can say there is no God. Why? Because there is enough information and knowledge about God for you to know that God exists. But in your state of receiving all that knowledge, you say there is no God. You are a fool. You understand what I'm saying? And then we, we, we talk to our children, don't be foolish, don't be foolish. Why you tell them not to be foolish? It's because you are telling them certain things to avoid and to do, but they still go and do it. You look at them and you say, foolish child. Why? You received information. So you see, it's not just sitting in a church service that makes you wise or sitting in a meeting like this that makes you wise. Okay? There's lots of people that have degrees upon degrees but they haven't been able to apply the knowledge that they have. That person becomes foolish. There's people that are top welders, top mechanics. They know a lot of things. But the only time they become wise is when they apply what they know. Why do you think most companies, when they, when they want to hire you, they say five years experience? They don't want to hire somebody that is fresh. Why? Because all he has received is textbook information and a little bit of practical stuff. But they want somebody that has wisdom. That the knowledge that they have, they have applied. They're not looking for somebody that still needs to make mistakes. You understand what I'm saying? So they'll come and they'll say, experience is important. Why? Because you have the wisdom of the job. You don't just have the knowledge of the job. Why? You have applied yourself. 
So are you following what I'm trying to say? So the Bible says, now the Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. So get wisdom. So the Bible says, wisdom. Now, wisdom is what? Knowledge applied. So the Bible says, she is the principal thing. Get her. Because you can pray for wisdom all your life, but you will not have wisdom. I've prayed for wisdom before. Lord, give me wisdom to, 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 to better handle this money. But until I had to sit in a meeting with people told me how to handle the money and I had to apply what they told me, then I realized I've got some wisdom now. You understand why? Because I applied it. For example, we tell you pray. I tell you pray. If you pray and you have a quiet time, your spiritual life will grow. You will excel. You will exceed others. There will be a difference between you and between those that serve the Lord and those that serve you not. Have a quiet time. Having a quiet time will prevent a lot of uh, spirits and a lot of things from staying away from you. But what you decide to do, you decide not to have a quiet time. So what is happening? So when the challenges and when issues and, and when things begin to break and, and when you begin to alter and fall and make mistakes, I call you foolish. Why? Because we said and we gave you information, we gave you knowledge and we said to you, having a quiet time will cause your spiritual life to grow. But because you have refused that you heard, you have the knowledge, but you don't have the wisdom to apply that knowledge. Foolish. That's why we talk about backsliding as well. How many times we've been speaking about backsliding? And it's, it's people that only can backslide is, you man, you are coming, you are coming to a church that gives you so much. I mean, you are rich in terms of knowledge, but most of you, as much as you hear it, as much as you hear the messages, you hear, you got the recording, you, you fail to apply it because there's no wisdom. It's called foolishness. Foolishness. So you can sit in a service all your life, but be foolish and not go nowhere, but stay in one place. Because the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is knowledge applied, the application of knowledge. And most of us are foolish because we don't know how to apply the knowledge. And that's where understanding, then he says, get understanding. And the word for understanding, there is a Greek word called katonosi. Katonosi means it's to perceive. It's to, it's, it's to perceive and to, and to grab a hold of. So for example, I'm talking to Ramon and I'm saying, I'm giving him some knowledge. I'm saying to Ramon, um, life is spiritual. And you as a, as a man of God, you must become very spiritual. And the way you can increase your spiritual life is through prayer and reading the word. What I gave him, I gave him knowledge, right? But he needs katanosi. He needs understanding now. So understanding of what I'm saying. Comprehend it. You get what I'm saying? When you comprehend it, it's easy to apply it. Failure to comprehend would be difficult to apply. Have you ever heard a message? I heard the message, I received it, but I'm failing to apply this word. It's because there's a lack of understanding. So how are you going to understand? Is when you listen again, and you listen again, and you listen again. So what is when it's developing your faith that will teach you how to apply it? That's why James, is it James that says, um, he says that 
if a man just only merely listens to the word and does not apply that word, it's like a man looking at his face in the mirror. When he turns around, he forgets what he looks like. You forget what you look, and that's why most of us you'll see the ladies. How many of us got mirrors in our bags? Just show me your hand if you got a mirror in your bag. Don't act, come on, guys! If you got a mirror in your bag, oh, see, Annabelle got a mirror in her bag. She's honest. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. So most of the ladies have a mirror in their bag, right? It's because they leave the house, they stood in front of the mirror, right? Stood in front of the mirror, they jumped into the the cab or the car or whatever. They still looked at the review mirror to see how they look. Or they put, took their mirror out, their handheld mirror. And they looked, okay, I'm cool. Came to church before once we sat down, took your mirror out, checked how you look. Not that you are conceited or anything. It's just that you forgot how you looked. So you need to check again if you are looking okay. I don't know if you're understanding what I'm trying to say. I, I've done that. How many times now if you, if I tell you go, to the to the bathroom the first thing you're doing is looking at the mirror right you want to check if you are looking the same or if anything has changed because you're not sure if in the process of then and now something has happened to your face you get what i'm saying why because you forget how you look that's what the bible says it's like a man that if he doesn't apply the word of god it's like he's looking in the mirror and he forgets how he looks when he turns around. Yo, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had that too many times where I forget what I look like. And I just hope that I'm as handsome as I, when I first saw myself. You understand? You just hope like, by the grace of God, that I'm still this good looking. And most of us, most of us, and that's why even when you take photos, you got a good side and you got a bad side. There's some photos you look at, you look at the photo, was that me? You get what I'm saying? I can't, I, I can't believe that. Why is my cheekbone so high or my forehead seems like this? But normally in photos, I don't look like that there, but hey man, it's, that doesn't look like me. Have you ever like, try not recognize yourself in photo? Hey, shh. You think I'm, I'm playing games with you? I'm telling you. The Bible says that you look, it's like a man looking at himself and he forgets what he looks like. Why? Foolishness. Because he never apply himself. And most of us are foolish because we don't apply ourselves. So the Bible says, get wisdom, embrace her. She will honor you, blah, 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 etc. Now why does the Bible say that this is the point I'm making? Seven great principles. Why does the Bible say that wisdom is the principal thing? The principal thing. And if you look in if you look in the world and you look at society, everything is based on principles. Even the cars that we have now, the cars that many people drive, it's based on a certain principle. It either first started with a bicycle. It's a principle. They didn't move maybe to a motorbike, they didn't move to something else. It was the principle. Airplane, for example. Started maybe off as a kite, but there was a principle for it. There was a purpose for it. And then it moved to a rocket. Then it moved to a jet. And then it moved to maybe those things that blow up balloons and stuff. But there was a principle that was applied. What does principle do then? Principle causes you, when the Bible says wisdom is a principle thing, principle causes you 
to go much deeper. I'm going to try and say that nicely, right? So, there's three things I'm going to talk to you about principle. The first thing the principle does, number one, it gives you revelation. It gives you revelation. So the Bible says, get wisdom. It's a principle. Wisdom is a principle theme. Why? Because when you have it, you can get revelation. Now, revelation, when you talk about revelation, I'm not talking about, you hear me when I say it, I'm not talking about you're going to get a new revelation. No, because everything that is has already been. There's nothing new under the sun. So when I talk about revelation, I'm talking about really illumination, meaning that something's going to come to light to you. So when you get, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. So when you have that principle of wisdom, what will happen? You become, you get illumination. You get illumination, right? That's the first thing. The other thing about wisdom, it causes you to go deeper. When you understand something, when you comprehend something, that's why, that's why I had to break up what wisdom is for you in all, before I had to say that. So when you understand something, when you apply something, when you know something, what happens to you? It makes you want to go much deeper. Wisdom causes you to go deeper. Wisdom doesn't cause you to be on the, on the outskirts or on the surface. It causes you to seek something out. It causes you to go much deeper. Let's look at that verse again, right? It causes you to go deeper. So the Bible says, just the first verse, wisdom is the principal thing. So first thing about principle that you must understand, principle brings revelation. Principle causes you to go deeper. And the third thing that a principle does, a principle, I'm not talking about a principle in a school, please guys. Okay, so I'm not talking about your Mr. Mullers and Seedles and everyone, right? So I'm talking about um, when you when you defined when you defined of the word principle, it's basically like a like a series of certain a series of things that cause a certain reaction. You, you follow what I'm saying? I don't know if this is too high for you or you're okay with this, right? I know it's not Bible study, but I'm just teaching so I can get into the word. So I can get into what I really want to say. Is that okay? So when, when you look at wisdom, it's a series of things that produce certain results. Like the, the principle of gravity, what goes up must come come down. You understand what I'm saying, right? So, you throw something in the air, it doesn't stay in the air. It has to drop. It has to come down. It's a principle. And a principle is something that cannot be changed. Cannot be altered. There's no way that I can alter this. It goes up, it comes down. It goes up, it comes down. Unless I'm using black magic or witchcraft, and I hold it up and say, stay up! And I let it hang over there. Unless I'm using black magic or witchcraft, then that thing will stay upright. So, when I say principle, it's a series of things that produce certain results. And a principle cannot be altered. It cannot be changed. A principle is a principle. Follow me, right? So, number one, revelation. Number two, causes you to go deeper. Number three, the principle thing causes you to understand how something works. Understand how something works. Now, it leads me to this. Basically, what I'm, we're talking about seven principles, right? Seven great principles. 
So it leads me to say this, that when you go to a doctor and you go for a surgery, right? Who ever been for surgery at the doctor? Surgery? What was it for, Brother Emmanuel? Your leg, okay. Did they put you to sleep or you were up? You were put to sleep. Brother Dennis? They put you to sleep, right? Okay. So once you go to sleep, it's either in the beginning of the surgery, the doctor will describe and tell you what it is that he's going to do to you in the beginning maybe. Or he'll just give you a brush. He says, you're going to go to sleep. I'm going to take out. Oh, I remember my wife went for her things, uh, kidneys, gallstones, huh? And they said they're going to take out the stones. They're going to use a certain stick, blah, 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 right? So, however, though, in some cases, is that when you have been through the surgery, they, they, in the beginning, they just give you a surface of what happened. They just tell you something small. And they, because you are in pain, so they'll tell you they're going to remove the stones and they're going to use a certain machine or certain instruments to remove the stones, right? So then you're like, okay, as long as the stones are removed, you're happy with it. So then you go into the surgery, they put uh, anesthetic, what you call it? Anesthetic, am I saying that? They put the anesthetic, you fall asleep, whatever. After that, he tells you now what he has done, how he applied it, that thing did it work or did it not. And certain things that now you must do as, as a person to avoid those things from coming back to you. So he gives you certain keys and certain principles that you need to avoid so those things don't come back to you. I'm preaching something good here today and I pray that you, you catch what I'm saying, right? So the thing that I want to talk to you about is exactly almost the same thing. But now what I want to talk to you about is the principle, the first principle that I want to talk to you about and I'm going to talk about this for this whole time is when I talk about the seven principles is with, that pertains unto your salvation. Most of us, we got saved, and whether we were saved under the right understanding or whether we were saved under the wrong understanding, there was something that pulled us to be saved. It's either the pastor said, you're going to go to hell, and you'll be like, Mm-mm, I'm not going to hell, let me surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Or the pastor said, you're going to get a blessing, you're going to get a house, you're going to get a car. Mm, that sounds nice. I want to go and get saved and get a house and get a car. But now I'm the doctor now that is coming to tell you everything I've dissected, this whole salvation story. And I'm coming to present to you now what your salvation is truly about and the principle of salvation. That's what I'm doing now. So everything that I was saying is leading up to this one thing that I'm coming to tell you the principle of your salvation. Right? And the first principle that I would like to share with you about your salvation is a man, is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. I'm sure you've heard that teaching countless of times. Man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in the body. Let's look at Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. I think it's from verses 3 to 4. Verses 3. Hebrews 2, 3. Sister Jennifer, Imelda, God bless you guys. How are you all doing? Well, bless you. Amen. Amen. 
And we're going to rise up and pray just now, right? Are you in Hebrews chapter 2? Let's look at verses number 3, right? And the Bible says, For since the message spoken through the angels was binding... Let's look at verses 3, sorry. I was at verses 2. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So the Bible says, how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You see, most of the times that our understanding of salvation, and we've spoken about this before. Many people think that our, our, our whole idea of salvation is by saying a prayer when you come to the front and you think that you are saved. I've realized that most people don't know what really salvation is and most people don't really understand what salvation is about, right? And the reason how I know that most people don't understand their salvation or many people don't know what has happened to them it's because of the way you live your life. And you understand? If you live your life in an incorrect way or in a manner that is not pleasing to God and you are saved, it means that somehow down the line you are distorted with regards to the salvation that you have received. So the scripture here in Hebrews is saying, how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Is there, is there a way that we can escape if we neglect the salvation that was delivered unto us, that we have heard, how can you escape it? How can you escape? There's no escape if you neglect it. Now, the neglecting is, the Bible says, my people perish for the what? For the lack of knowledge. The neglecting there, most of the time when you, when you study the scripture, you'll find that the neglecting is not because I'm purposely neglecting. It's because of lack of knowledge that neglection comes. So you neglect something or you don't treat something as valuable as you would because you don't know the value of it. Or you don't have knowledge of how much it costs. It's like, for example, if I put a diamond in Colleen's hand, I know the value of the diamond is 100,000, right? 100,000 rand. But Colleen looks at it, this thing must be fake. So what she'll do, she'll give a child to play with. Why? Why did she do that? Because she doesn't have the knowledge of how much it costs. You get what I'm saying? So she neglects it. And that's what happens to most of us. Because you don't know the value of a soul. You don't know the value of the price that he paid for your life. You don't know how valuable you are. So when it comes to your salvation, you neglect it. Because you don't have the knowledge of how valuable you are. You don't have the knowledge of basically who you are. So when somebody, when some rug rat, I'm gonna, sorry if you stay in train rats, my apologies. If some train rat comes to you and bluffs you with his throw ups with his gold teeth, you quit weak on your knees and you fall. Why? Because you don't know how valuable you are. You, need, you don't have the information. You don't have the knowledge of your value. So any Tom, Dick and Harry comes, I get so, he told me he loves me, and you're weak on your knees. Because you don't have the value, you don't know the value. 
So most of us don't know the value of our salvation. So the Bible says, how then shall we escape when, when, when the day of judgment is there, when, when God is coming, when it's time to receive our punishment, because we have neglected our salvation, you would, you would not be able to escape when it comes, right? So we're still in Hebrews, right? So the Bible says, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, the Lord spoken and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Talking about the apostles now. Let's just quickly go to First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23. The first principle that I want to talk to you about is man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. Are you in First Thessalonians 5, 23? First Thessalonians 5, chapter number 23. Right? So you see what's happening here. Paul's writing to the Thessalonian church, right? But most of the time... Okay, let me read the scripture. Let me not get ahead of myself. Okay. Are you there? Hallelujah. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. I pray God, your whole spirit, your soul... And your body. What is saying? God, your old spirit, your soul, and body. Be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when he was addressing them, he was just addressing them with three dimensions or three parts of them. He was addressing them in the spirit. They were just, he was addressing them in their soul. And he was addressing them with their body. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. So this scripture is basically like the foundation of the church. But what was Paul trying to tell the church? Paul was trying to tell the church that what you are seeing right now, what you see, what you see is my body. But I am not my flesh. Because you see in the scripture, it listed the stuff first. Right? So when the scripture brother Dennis listed this stuff, it meant it was making sure that you understand the order of which things are operating. So he first says, your spirit. Spirit, meaning that as much as you are sitting here in the flesh, you are not fleshly. No man, no human being is fleshly. You are spiritual, not fleshly. It's because God says, before you were Formed in your mother's womb, I already knew you. Where did he know you from? Because you were not yet born, you did not yet manifest in the flesh. But God said, I already knew you, I already appointed you. So it means that you are a spiritual person. First, before you are a natural person. All your body is, is a container of who you, re- of who you really are, which is the spiritual side of you. Your body is a container of that. So then he says, you are a soul. And I'm not going to deal. You know, you normally hear teachings, they'll explain what the spirit is, what a soul is, etc. I'm not going to go into all that, right? Then you are a soul. Now your soul is, I'm just going to explain a little. Your soul is that, 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 that thought process. Your soul, in a mind, in a soul, she felt pain. It wasn't, it wasn't really, the body that felt the pain. It was the soul. 
You understand what I'm saying? So that's why, so that's why when your, bo- I'm trying to, I'm trying to help us to understand in a much more clearer way. It's, he smiled now. He laughed. Why did he laugh? It was that emotional side of him, his soul. You understand? So most of us, sometimes we feel sexual. It's not your body that is craving the sex. It's your soul that is desiring it. Your body is the container for that nice feeling. Hey! Lyle, I don't think they understand you what I'm saying. You... You, you understand, you understand what I'm saying? Is that, that's why you see like a woman, her soul needs to be right to have sex. A man, he's not really worried about whether his soul is right or not. He can have, he can, he can have sex anytime because he knows what feeling that it gives. But a woman needs to be wooed. In, you know, because she's an emotional being. It means that her soul feeds off that. But a man, all, all that is sex is just two bodies coming together, but it's not two bodies coming together. It's souls, emotion. That's why when you have sex with somebody, you are connected with that person. Your soul is connected with that person. It's like you, you, you sleep with somebody and you, the person messes you up and inside of you, you're telling yourself, I want to walk away, but you can't because your soul is connected to that person. So as much as you try and walk away and break away from that, your soul, that's why they say, break the soul tie. Because your soul is connected. All your body did was just function, but your soul was connected. So sex is a function of the body, but really it's a soul interaction. It's a soul interaction. So that's why we tell the young people, don't play around with it. You say, hey, my body's craving, I'm feeling horny. It's, what, what, what's that? Your soul. You know me, I talk straight, so I don't hide nothing. So, so it's, your, it's your soul. And then what happens? Your body, your body moves according to what your soul is feeling. And you walk to wherever that man is and you take off his clothes or she takes off your clothes or whatever. Your body's responding to an emotion. You get what I'm saying? That's why we were talking, we were talking live. We're saying the best medicine for marriage. We were telling, uh, Taslin, uh, cause she's getting married in February. Let's give them a hand. Amen. Taz and Ramon is getting married in February. <laughs> so, you may kiss the bride. <laughs> so we were saying, in marriage. Now when I'm talking about this, please, you single people, don't even try and think of this, right? So when we were talking about in marriage, the best remedy to settle an argument or to settle some fights that you are having, just walk around with your lingerie. Just walk around with your high heels on. Just walk around. Because what's happening? He's angry with you. It's a soulish thing. But then all of a sudden he connects now. He sees something that uh, uh, more appealing to his soul than him being angry with you. He sees sexy body. Nice palms. He sees her walking across the room and, and he's like, mm, I can't be angry anymore. It's an, it's an assaulting. Hey, you understand this thing? I'm preaching well. 
Amen. Ladies, settle the argument. Settle the argument tonight. That argument you can settle it. Amen. Married people. Hallelujah. Amen. As for those that are not, wait until you get married. Amen. So, when Paul was addressing, I hope you're learning something tonight. <laughs> now, I hope you're not just learning about what I just said now, and then you go out of church. A service was powerful. The pastor spoke about how your soul is connected to sex and stuff. Now, that's not what I really want to talk to you about. So, don't go out with that. you understand? <laughs> oh, my Jesus, I love preaching God's word. You, you know how I know sometimes, <laughs> how sometimes I know I'm eating the nail on the head. It's the, you know the Bible says you can, you can watch, you can see that your faces lie. And, 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 and you know, encourage Jeremiah, he says, don't be scared of the, your faces. And so, but most of the times when I'm eating truth, I see some of your faces. Either it's a blush, either it's embarrassment, or either your head's down, but you can't like look at me directly in my face. <laughs> or you looking. <laughs> Hey, I love Jesus so much. You know why I love him? He said, the Bible says that Jesus, when he was preaching, it was as though he understood what they were thinking. And every time he was talking, he was talking what they were thinking and what was in their hearts. So that's why I love the word of God. So every time I come and preach, even though you don't tell me what you're thinking, as I'm preaching, the word of God is messing with your thinking. Ah! Yo, 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 imagine that. Maybe you were thinking tonight, I'm going to have my love, love, love. Ah! And I came to you today and I told you only for marriage. So I'm, I'm messing around with your thinking. I didn't even know you were thinking of having sex tonight and you weren't married. But as I was coming, as I'm preaching now, I'm messing, I'm coming into your thought pattern. That's how powerful the word of God is. So we're talking about our selling freight. Sometimes you don't need counseling. You just need to sit under the word of God and the word of God will counsel you. Bible says Jesus understood that your thoughts and preached against it. Even though it was, it's, you would think that Jesus was a mind reader. Like, you know, these people that can read minds. When you watch your programs, what? All those programs where they read minds, they can tell you what. The person will just touch you and the person will know what you are saying. It's like, it's like Jesus was a mind reader. Because the Bible says he preached against their thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that's powerful, right? That's what the word of God does. It takes all your junk thinking, your messed up thinking, and you find out the pastor preaches that. That's why when the scripture says, don't be scared of the, your faces, Melissa, I'm not scared of your face. Yo, I'm not. I'm not. I, even to the point, Brother Dennis, where you said, I'm not even scared of how much money you make, of how much money you bring. And the problem with most of the ministers, is that number one, they're scared of their faces, and they're also scared of the money. That if they talk the truth, the money won't come. But Jesus was meant for them. I'll use that word, he was meant for them. Meant for their money and not scared of their faces. He called them vipers. <sighs> Powerful, right, Anava? Amen. So, when Paul was talking to the Thessalonian church, it, what, the reason why he addressed them in that way, it is because it seemed to them as though they were oblivious that they were spirit and soul. Most people in the world only think that they are body. Most young people especially only think that they are body, they are flesh. 
Most young people think. And not only young people, even some adults think that they are only flesh. They think that this life that they live here on the earth, that's it. So what you do, you try and, and do everything in your power. I'm talking about the principal thing of a man is a spirit, soul, and body. So you, you do everything in your power to become a success here on the earth. You do everything in your, in your power to build yourself here on the earth, to make your flesh happy. While the Bible says physical exercise profit little, spiritual exercise profit much. So while you're trying to build yourself and build your body here on the earth, your spiritual body you have neglected. How then shall you escape? You, you understand what I'm saying? There's no escape for you because you have thoughts. And this is why he's talking to them. He said, life is spiritual. You are spirits. He said, God, your spirit. Because you, you do well, sorry, in God in your body. By your exercise, by getting things right. You do well. But there's a part of you that you are neglecting. There's a part of you that you are missing out. And whenever you see the young, most young people, when we stand and we minister, and we tell them, get saved, give your heart to the Lord. Most of the times, I'm still young, I still need to experience, I still need to be free, I still need to do what I want to do. What are they only thinking about? They're only thinking about their physical body. Thinking about it. Pup, the guy that passed away in Iam Street. I can imagine the only thing that was in his mind wasn't even when I die, what would happen to me? Because he only thought of his physical body. How we can make money. We think of all these things. Of your man. You think of your woman. You think of your friends. You think of the drink. You think of the alcohol. Because you have this understanding that you are only a body. That's your understanding. But you know when people die. When we buried that young boy. that Like four people came to his funeral. Four people. My heart started to understand something is that when it comes to death, you realize, is that all we about? Is that all we about to love, to, to go to school, to, uh, to get an education, to get a degree, to make money, to go and work, to come home, to cook, to come home, watch soapies and what? Is that all our life is about? So you start to think that because what was, what, what is laying in that coffin is a dead boy. But he is no longer there. His body is only there. You will go and talk by the coffin. Come on, you, have you, have you been to like Indian funerals and have you seen? When they open the caskets, I've watched a couple, I haven't been to one, but I've watched one live. Come on, Brian, why you had to leave me? Wake up boy, your mother and father needs you. They t- and the ladies bawling, bawling, crying. Come on boy, you couldn't leave us like this. Can't say nothing, can't talk, can't move his arm, can't say absolutely nothing. Can't talk anymore. Why? Because he is no longer there. He has left the building. He's no longer there. But what he did in that building was crucial to determine where he would spend his permanent residence. What he did in that building. So Paul was reminding them and he was getting them to understand that you are not just your body. 
Bishop Dag speaks about, he says, when he, when he just started medical school, he says, when he entered into the medical school, they were assigned him where all the dead people were. You know, what you call a mortuary place, right? So, basically, what they would do in that place, they would take all the dead bodies, and they will examine them for, for at least eight months, to see what's inside of their body, their organs, how organs work, which ones collapse, blah, blah, blah. So he said he was there. And all they saw was bodies, ten bodies dead on the ground, laying on the, on the table. Uh, eight men, two ladies. And the lecturer walked in. And sorry, the, the main doctor walked in. He says, touch the body. And they're like, ah, touch the body. No, touch the body. And they touched the body. He says, this must be a lesson for you in life. That you too one day will lay here. And somebody will touch your body. But guess what? That person that you are touching is not there. That person you are touching is not there. Brother Emmanuel, all we are, as I'm preaching to you, I'm a container. This body, this flesh is a container. That's why in the salvation process, God takes your stony heart and he gives you a heart of flesh. Your, your, your body, your flesh is nothing. Let me tell you young people, your body, your flesh, you want to drink, you want to party, you want to smoke, you want to have sex, you want to do everything. This thing, one day, you would leave it. Where will you be? Where will you be when this is gone? Where will you be? What will be of your life? Oh, I was a doctor. Oh, I was a lawyer. Oh, I was a teacher. Oh, I was this. I was a professional. At least they can say of me, I had a good job or I lived in a nice house. I was able to buy my house when I was 20 something. I was able to drive a car. I was, ah, where will you be when you are laying there with your, will your car be there? Will your house be there? Will your chains be there? Will your money be there? Will your girlfriends be there? Where will you be when, when you're laying there? Because you're only focusing on your body. You're only focusing now on how you can build yourself up. Where will you be? I want to do what I want to do. I want to be free. Ah, Your freedom will send you to hell. Because one day, this body will be six feet under. They'll throw sand on that coffin. They'll cry over your body. The pastor will say, Rest in peace, if you are resting in peace. Well, they say, shame, so young here to go. You leave your mother alone, you leave your father alone. To, that's why Paul says, to be absent. Hear this carefully. To be absent from the body, this would be what? Presence with the Lord. How? How can I be absent from my body, but still be present with God? Ramon? How is it even possible to be not in my body, but present with God? It means that I am not my body. I'm something else because even though I'm not in my body, I'm with the Lord. I can't be in two places at one. One has to die in order for the other one to live. Oh my Jesus. I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say today. So he spoke to them and he says, how can you escape? Oh, God, your spirits. God it with everything that you have. Are you following me or you, are you, I hope you're getting where I'm going, right? 
Amen. And it's important, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 verses 9. And then somebody can just turn to Second Corinthians 5 verses 1. I've got a few more minutes left and then we'll rise and pray. Hebrews 12 verses 9. Is somebody there? You can read it. Moreover, somebody, anybody? Yes? Okay, let me just see. Uh-huh. Go to go to the look lim, what version you read? Okay, let me read NIV, right? NIV will give you a nice understanding of what this is, right? And this is to prove and to show you that you are a spirit. Is somebody in Second Corinthians five one? Just turn to Second Corinthians five one. Let me read this in NIV. Moreover, we have all had human fathers. Right? We all had human fathers. Now look at this here. Who disciplined us. And we respected them for it. Well, some of us. <laughs> some of us get disciplined and we respect them for it, right? But now look at this next part. The latter part. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirit and live? Look. How much more shall we submit to the Father of Spirits? Wait now, man. I don't know if this is too deep for you guys. Melissa, check this thing out. We all had human fathers that we submitted to and we were subjected to. They disciplined us and we respected them for how much more our, the father of spirits, our father of spirits. Who's he talking about? God. And who God? God has, God is a father that makes him have children. So what are his children? Spirits. So, you got an earthly father, you, you in the body now, in the flesh, because you got an earthly father in the flesh. But you are not the body, you are heavenly, because your father is spirit. So it means that his sons can't be flesh, his, his sons have to be spirits. How can his sons be of flesh? The Bible says, though you not, you have been, been begotten by God. You, what? Little children, you, the kingdom of God belongs to you. We are the children of God. We call him Abba Father Life. So it means that God is spirit. We originate from God. We come from God. Like Jesus came from God but was found wrapped up in Mary. It means that if our father is spirit. Sister Jennifer, it means that we are spirit as well. Oh, I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say to you today. It means that we are spirit. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5 verses 1, is it? Can somebody read it? If 
this earthly house referring to your body has to be dissolved, has to be out of this place. We have another house, not made by man's hands. So what, what is the scripture saying? That yes, you are a body, but check lacquer, you are a spirit first. Because that if this body has to go, you still have a spirit that will dwell with God. But what are we focused on? Focus on this body. How I know some of us, it is difficult to even fast for two days. Why? You focus, my body's telling me I need to eat. I'm hungry, Colleen. I need the macaronis and the roast chickens and to discipline that body. It means that you don't understand how spiritual you are. Because you can't, it's not the flesh that must submit to the spirit. It's not the, the spirit that must submit to the flesh, but rather the flesh submitting to the spirit. Know you not, listen to this, know you not that your body is a temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you. The spirit of God dwells in you. The, there's a scripture I'm looking for, uh, it talks about the flesh the flesh being willing and the, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Your spirit wants more of God. Your spirit wants to go much deeper. But because you have focus on your flesh and your body, your body pulls you into a place where you can't go deeper. So when, when we come to church, when we preach the word and when we speak the word, I have to talk, we have to talk certain things that will let you kill the body. So that your spirit can rise. And then there's a point in the service where we speak now not to your body. We speak into your spirit. Ah! There's even a level in prayer where you pray in the natural. And then there's a time in prayer as you continue to go deeper. You translate out of the, of the natural into the supernatural. You translate into your real identity. You move into that real power, into that real authority where you can command certain things and they will happen. Why? Because you are in your real identity. But when you are still fighting the body, I don't feel like praying, I don't feel like fasting, I don't feel like reading the word. The things of the spirit will be a stranger to you because you have not left the mortal body and taken on immortality. And when you take on immortality, which is your spirit part of you, nothing shall be hard for you. You can command stones and stones will respond to you. You can command animals and animals will respond to you. Why? Because you are no longer limited by your natural body. You have entered into the spirit and those things that are impossible become possible because everything, space, time and matter has to respond to the spiritual side of you because your body is no longer in function anymore. You have left your body a long time ago. You went into the real person that you are which is the spiritual 
outside of you. And that's why when the devil is coming to attack your body, say, attack my body all you want. I am a spirit and I cannot be conquered. When they tell you that things are going to fall apart in your life, tell them, Alistair has died a long time ago. I'm no longer in that place anymore. I'm into the spirit. Why? Because I'm not just a body. You might see me as a body. Ah, this handsome boy, this pretty girl, but I'm more to me than just this body. I'm filled with power. I'm filled with authority. I'm filled with anointing. I can speak things and they'll come to pass. I lay hands on the sick and this. How? Because my real identity is my spirit, not my body. Oh, but most of us, we have not stepped, we haven't translated out of the natural into the spiritual. Why? Because all we think of our life is just this natural side of us. But God is calling you deeper and he's saying that I want to speak to the real you. I'm tired of speaking to the handsome Ramon. I'm tired of speaking to lucky, happy, go lucky, sister Deline. I want to speak to the one that I spoke to years ago that before you were born, I knew you. I ordained you. I set you apart. I called you as a prophet. I want to speak to that person. Will the real Deline, Jennifer, Anthony, please rise. The real you. The real you. Please rise. That's what needs to happen. The real you needs to arise. So when they talk bad about you, ah, oh, you're talking bad about a dead person. I'm translated out of my body. I'm in the spirit now. Ah, <laughs> oh, you have lied about you. I'm sorry. You lied to a dead person. I'm out of my body, but I'm in the spirit now. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I wish you were getting what I'm saying. <laughs> I wish you were getting what I'm saying. Hey! Hey! Matthew 26, 41. I'm out of it. I'm no longer there. That's why Paul says, when you lose your life, you will find it. <laughs> he says, when you lose your life, Tasha, that's when you will find it. How can you find your life in losing your life? I thought when you lose your life, you lost. But he says, when you lose this life, you will find the real life. <laughs> you know, I feel like throwing this mic away. You know, when you're talking something so powerful, it's like you want to throw something away. That's what I'm saying. He says, you will lose your life, you will find it. So there's another side of you that you have not yet tapped into. My Jesus. Are you eating cockroaches in church? Killing the poor cockroaches while I'm preaching. Why are you natural? When the cockroach touches your body, it touches your natural body. Let it crawl on you. Say, I'm no longer there. You can crawl on me as much as you want to. I have left that building a long time. I've detached myself. <laughs> Amen. Last thing I want to talk to you before we pray. Luke 16 verses 22. Luke 16.22, right? You can go and read it. The scripture makes us understand that there was a rich man and there was a poor man. The Bible says that they both died, right? And the rich man was found in Hades and the poor man was found in, in heaven. 
So the rich man in his lifetime, the scripture says, that he received all the good things in life. He had the money, sister Doris, he had the cars, he, he had everything that he ever wanted in life. However, though, the poor man, he, he suffered a lot. There's a lot of things that was going bad in his life. Things were wrong in his life. I mean, must feel like you're like that person, you know, there's just things that are going wrong and just bad in your life. And even the question is, will God ever deliver me? Will, will God ever deliver me? And, and uh, quite frankly, it's whether God delivers you or whether God doesn't deliver you, just stay saved. Just stay serving God. Just stay worshiping God. Just stay praising God. Because one day you will get your reward and one day your life in this body will disappear and you will get your new life. I wish you understood it. It's like, it's like, you know, we, we so focus on, on what's happening around us. For me, I've always said to the Lord, and my covenant has always been to God, is that if you just, I'm just content with everything, I'm one content person. There's nothing in me that when I get something, hey, I need to have more, I need to have it more, I need to have it more. I got to the point where I'm content and I just say to God, as long as I eat, as long as I have a place to stay, as long as my children eat, I'm comfortable. I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm just fine. But most of us, we're not just fine. We'll trample on other people to get money. We'll, we'll lie about people because... There's this thing in you that wants more. You know why? Because you just think that life is just about eating and drinking. And life is just about having fun and, and enjoying yourself and living large and having money in your bank account. It's a clear indication that you are not spiritual, right? So, when you look at the rich man, you see one who had a good life, Sister Doris. He enjoyed his life. And you see somebody poor man that did not enjoy his life at all. But one thing puts us on the same level or one thing that makes us equal is debt. Debt doesn't care how much money you got. Debt doesn't care how rich you are. Debt, if it comes to you, it will come to you. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you got money where you don't have money debt will come to each and every single one of us the only thing that disturbs us or the only thing that we're worried about is the time and isn't it amazing because we don't know the time we have to live our lives as though we're going to die tomorrow you understand so this rich man probably had the best funeral ever Toffee you know how you got the funeral with the red carpet out I remember there's a guy, Teddy, in Chatsuto, Phoenix. He had a good coffin. You saw that coffin. Even T.B. Joshua, they made him a gold, uh, uh, a glass coffin. Why? Because he had, they got the money. They got the money. But the amazing thing, T.B. Joshua was no longer there, you know. But anyway, so there's this rich man, and there's this poor man. The Bible says angels escorted him. They died. They were no more. But angels escorted him. Escorted who? Because they were dead. How did an angel escort somebody that they, that was dead? 
Person's no longer there. Person's in the grave. How did the angel take them and escort them? One day an angel will escort you. It means that the angel never take their physical body and take their physical body to hell. Mm-mm. Couldn't. Impossible. Physical body can't go to hell. Physical body can't enter into the spiritual. Can't. So how did the angel take them? It means that the angel took their spirit and their soul. The Bible says the angel escorted the rich man to Hades. To hell. What? Where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth and cries. And then the angel escorted the poor man to Abraham's bosom. Into heaven, paradise and heaven and, and hell basically. So now people say that, some theologians say that this was a parable, but it can never be a parable. According to the scriptures, it's not a parable. Whenever Jesus told a parable, there would be no name mentioned in a parable. How we know that this is not a parable because he mentioned the name Lazarus. It means that it was a true story. The only time, go look through such the scriptures, you would find Ramon. All parables, not one name is mentioned. If it was a parable, it would be consistent with all the other parables. But this story, a name was mentioned. It means that 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 was a real person that existed. There was a real Lazarus. And I'm not saying this to you, so I'm making you scared. Most of the time when you hear parables, you think of a story. Parable is a story. But this is real. Because he mentioned a real name. Wasn't something that was a parable. So you, you understand that life? So to, if you look at the writings of Jesus, and if you study some theologians say it was a parable, but you can, uh, you can eliminate the thoughts of a parable because a name was mentioned. Study it, go look at all parables. No names are mentioned. Prodigal son, lost coin. The prodigal son is not a real story. It's not a real event. It's not. It was a parable. It was a story that he was trying to get their attention. The father, the other son, the brother, the servants. No name was mentioned. Parable. <clears throat> Why? So that he can get you to understand that those that are lost can be found. Then he mentions the parable of the lost coin. All those things are stories. Parable is not a real event. But Lazarus, Luke 16, is real. Because there was a name. (laughs) There was somebody mentioned. So one day, you will face God on judgment day. And there will be an angel. Whether you get shot, whether you get knocked, whether somebody runs you over, whether you get a heart attack, whether you are sleeping with somebody and you die, that moment you die, an angel has come to that bedside, that roadside, that hospital bed, that mall, that clinic, wherever you are. And an angel will escort you while your body is still laying on the ground. 
an angel will come and escort you out to your real house. You are only living, you are renting over here. You are going to be escorted to your real house. You are only here temporary. That's why we don't have a lot of time on this earth. That's why you got some people 20 years, some people 80 years. 80 years, 100 years is not enough time. Why will we be born to die in a 100 years time? Why? That's too short. I'm telling you, think about it. You only focus on this. Think about it. When you die, that day, that boy was shot in his head and they rushed him and the doctors pronounced that machine dead. That was the day angels escorted him to hell or heaven. And his soul either was rejoicing or his soul was in agony and in pain. The Bible says that he felt the flames. He felt it. What his body? Your body is not an emotion. So your body cannot feel flames. It's your soul that feels the flames. Your body is a container. Give me, give me, give me that container. Just say something in there. Nothing. I might break it. I'm not sure. Okay, brother man, give me your one. I was going to break it. I had a feeling I was going to break it. Your body is this bottle, but the real you is inside. So when, when, when they were in the hell, what if, what, what happened, right? Is that when you burn, like for example, if I, if I burn you now, like, ah, it's not your body that's saying, ah, it's your soul that it's the emotion of you that's saying, ah, your, your emotion is saying, ah, it's sore, it's in pain, I'm hurting. If somebody gets shot now and in front of you, you'll start to cry. You'll cry uncontrollably. It's your soul that is feeling it. It's not your body. Have you ever seen somebody get cut and it's like you feel it? You understand? It's like something happened to you. It's your soul. This, when you die, gets left. And what's inside comes out. The one that's inside comes out is your soul, your spirit. That's the one that feels the real pain. And the Bible says that the rich man was in torment. Torment. He was in pain. His soul was in pain. And one day, Nicola, one day, every one of us, our souls will either be in pain, in torment, crying, and you feel in every part of it. You feel in every part of it. Every burn. Every worm. All the gnashing of teeth. You feel in it. One day, you will be there. Number one, your salvation is important. That's that your soul will go to hell. Or your soul will be with the Lord in heaven. Wisdom is a principal thing. And the first principle when it comes to your salvation is you are a spirit. You have a soul. 
and you live in a body. When you don't understand this, you will focus only on the body, not on the spirit. And while focusing on the body, your soul is in torment in hell. I'm going to finish just now. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. Get the recording, amen. Let's look at Luke 16, 23 to 24. And in hell he lifted up his eyes and being in torment, seed Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, mouth voice, and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that I may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in torment. I am in torment. The thing that God wants us to develop, I'm about to finish. Oh, my time went. I have to wrap up now. First Corinthians 14 verses 4. And then somebody quickly, Hebrews 4 verses 12. I'll speak 1 Corinthians 14.4. Just so I'll, I won't read the full thing. He that speaketh is an, in an unknown tongue, edifies, builds up, and charges himself. He speaks in an unknown tongue, what? Builds up and edifies himself. Can you build up when you speak in tongues? Isn't building up your body and edifying your body? Absolutely not, but your spirit. Because when you speak in unknown tongue, you're speaking in the spirit, not in the flesh. So when you speak, so what God wants you to do? God wants you to build and, and develop and increase and get the revelation principle. Get the revelation, get the understanding. Go much deeper in building your spirits by speaking in tongues. Build yourself up. You edify yourself. So pray in tongues. Tell somebody pray in tongues. Hebrews chapter 4, somebody quickly. So, 4.12. Yes. Mm. Mm. That's fine. Soul and spirit. So when the word of God comes, it's hitting your spirit. Mark chapter 8. I think it's verse 39. Let me just see. The Bible says, What will it profit a man? 36. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? Hey! 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 Think about it. What will it profit you to gain the whole world? And your soul is lost. What will it profit you to have a nice cherry and your soul is lost? What will it profit you to have sex all day and all night, morning until the next day and your soul is lost? 
all property to drive, Mercedes, Benz, nice boss, everything. You become the best in anything and your soul is lost. What are the property to have so many spliffs and get high the whole day and your soul is lost? What are the property to drink and party and have the freedom and have everything that you want and your soul is lost? What are the property to have a good marriage, a good wife, good children and yet your soul is lost? What will it? What can you give in exchange of your soul? Nothing. There's no money. There's no girl. There's no man. There's no fame. Nothing you can give in exchange of your soul. One day when you die, this body will collapse. They'll try and pick up their body and put it in a coffin. they even put makeup on you. They'll dress you nicely in the coffin. They'll say, let's send them off nicely. But they don't know the moment you died, you were carried away. You were, and listen to this. He says, can Lazarus go to my brothers and my sisters and warn them and tell them? And he says, there's a great chasm between us that no spirit is able to cross over. And go there in the natural. It means that Lazarus was there. He, 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 this rich man, he, he knew that he still had his emotion. He still had his memory. He still knew he had brothers. He still knew he had sisters. He still knew he had family members. While in hell. Because it is the soul that remembers. It's not the body that remembers. So while you're in hell, you will still remember all your family members. Because he remembered them. Let him go and warn them. I don't want them to come where I am. I don't want them here. But he died. But his soul lived. His spirit lived. And one day you will die. But your spirit will live. This is the seven great principles. One of the seven great principles when it pertains to your salvation. That you are a spirit. You live in a body. Sorry, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. What will you feed the most? What will you yield to? What will you surrender to? Your body will deceive you. So you build yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying, interceding in the spirit. Don't think life is about this. We only focus on this while we're here so that we can get by. But there's no corruption here. There's no manipulating here because life is not about money. Life is not about the flesh. That's why I was talking to somebody today. This pastor, he got businesses upon businesses upon businesses and I said to them, how does he serve God? With all the businesses that he has. You know what the answer was? Pastor, according to me, he just preaches on a Sunday, but he doesn't serve God. This is her pastor. She's telling me about. I was shocked with all his businesses. Like every time he, in, when it was lockdown level four, she said he opened at least 
four more businesses in lockdown. Like, why everybody, I said, how does he do it and serve God? He said, Pastor, according to me, he's not serving God. Man is extremely wicked. He doesn't value a soul. He only values money. Because there's no way you can have it both. Oh, I tell you, Lyle, it's, Lyle, it's serious. There has to be a balance of where you get to a point in your life where you say, I'm settled, I have enough, my family is okay, everything's okay, I'm not interested in making anything extra. If you become scared, if I make more, it will cost me my soul. If I want more, it will cost me my soul. So I'm drawing the line. This is it. I will retire. I got enough money that I can live. 20 years, I'm fine. Or until I'm dead, I'm fine. I'm not going to pursue more. But your, your body, your flesh craves more. When you make your first 10,000, your flesh craves 20. You make your first 20, it craves 100. When you make your 100, it craves more. And you will never be satisfied. Remember what the, 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 the preacher said in Proverbs. He says, vanity, useless. You work and you make money for somebody else to enjoy it. And you don't get a chance to enjoy it. What uselessness is that? Because, he says, somebody else will, it meant that there's no way you're taking money with you into eternity. He says, ah, you build, you work, you're tired. And somebody else will enjoy what, what you work for. Ah, what's that? Some people even say, hey, I don't mind working as long as my, to- my children will enjoy it. Ah, I don't want that. I don't want that. Yes, they must enjoy some of the spoils, but would, must that be my purpose in life that I must work hard so that they can enjoy, enjoy what I worked hard for? And when they get it, they mess it up. But I toil for it. I work for it. I stress myself for it. And my story must be, he left a good inheritance for his children and that's it. I lost my soul to leave a good inheritance for my children. God forbid. The best inheritance you can give your children is God. That's the best thing you can give any child of yours is God. Give them God. That's the, that's, you think God was talking about giving your children money? A wise man leaves an inheritance. He says, I know Abraham. Abraham is my friend because I know he will instruct his children in the ways of God. Most of us can't even instruct our children in the ways of God. You see, you can buy them how many clothes you want. You can buy them the name brand. You can buy them everything they want. But if you don't give them God, you failed as a parent. You failed as a parent. I'm not saying they will serve God. I'm not saying maybe some of them will serve, maybe some of them won't. But you make sure as a parent in your lifetime, you would say, I'm not worried about giving my child a name brand. I'm not worried about giving them nice clothes. I'm worried about giving them God. And the fact that we see a lot of young people here is a testimony that you as a mother, you as a parent, you are telling your child, even though it's a Thursday night, you could be watching Mavango or whatever. I'm making sure you come to the house of God because my inheritance when I leave, you will say you will have a testimony me my mother gave me the lord she never have much but she told me about jesus she never have the call but she pointed me to him and because she pointed him to me my life has changed how many of us can have that testimony how many of us can truly say that let's stand our feet what will it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul if your children die and go to hell it's on them
And every young person, I want to remind you something. That when you stand before God on judgment day, when an angel escorts you, when the angel takes you away, after you have been judged, your mother will not help you. Your father will not help you. The prayers of your mother will not help you. The prayers of your mother help you now while you are on the earth. While you are here. But there will be a time with the prayer of your mother, the prayer of your father, the prayer of your pastor, the prayer of your friend, the prayer of your uncle, the prayer of everybody that you know will fall to the ground and it will not stand before God. When you leave this earth, you stand before God, ace out bolts, and no one's praise will help you. So, you either serve God now, before it's too late, when your body leaves the earth, and angels escort you to hell. You better serve God now. And you better stop playing around. You better stop messing around with this thing called salvation. How can you escape if you neglect such a great salvation that was first spoken to us by the Lord and then to those that heard Him and they delivered that same salvation to us? How would you, young man, young girl, be able to escape? You came to the front. You came to say a prayer. You came and you said, Jesus Mommy, I want Jesus in my life. But you neglected. You neglect that spiritual side of you. Because you saved and you still want to drink. You saved and you still want to club. You saved and you still want to be in the world. You saved and you still want to have sex. You saved and you still want to do the wrong thing. You are neglecting your salvation. How will you escape? How will you escape? Wisdom. Is the most principal thing. It helps us understand that when we were saved, the sin about our salvation, it was so that we can develop ourselves spiritually and not focus on the fleshly side of us. How will you escape, young girl? How will you escape, young man? When all you consider is your body, good times, partying getting high, having sex. All you consider is the wrong things. All you think about, you haven't danced before the Lord, but you dance and, and your TikTok videos, you're twerking, you're doing wrong things. How will you escape one day? This great salvation. There'll be no escape for you. There'll be no mommy and daddy call. You can call for mommy and daddy. You can call for pastor. You can call for your friends. But you will not be able to escape. You'll not be able to miss it out. You'll not be able to run away from it. You'll not be able to hide and duck. You can hide and duck now. You can lie and you can pretend in front of us. But one day when you leave this body... You won't be able to escape no one. There's some secrets that nobody knows that you do. You can escape here on the earth. But one day, you will not be able to escape. So one day, all your secrets will be exposed. All your wrong will be exposed. And angels will escort you and take you to hell. They'll take you to hell. 
take you to a place of burning and weeping and gnashing of teeth and you'll cry please save me Lord give me another chance it'll be too late it'll be too late for each and every single one of us I don't care whether you've been in church for 10 years or 20 years it will be too late for you Hebrews is clear how shall you escape if you neglect now you receive knowledge now you can understand it now apply what I'm saying then wisdom will be a principal thing for you but if you receive this word you got the knowledge you understood it but fail to apply it you are a fool and your destiny is hell You are full. I'm going to use words. You are stupid. You are stupid. Silly. Something wrong in your head. When you neglect the salvation. And one day. You will not pay with it with your body. You will pay with it with your soul. One day. If you neglect a salvation Seems like an evangelical message But it's not I'm getting to understand this one principle That you are a spirit You live You have a soul And you only live In a body Which is temporary Which has an expiry date But your spirit and your soul Lives forever What are you focusing on? With every head bow and every eye close. I, I, we have to close with this. But I want to give you an opportunity that is here tonight. I want to give you a chance. I want to give you a moment. I don't know. Tomorrow the Lord can come. It might be our lost. A couple of hours from now the Lord might come. It might be our lost. In a week from now, he might come. A month from now, five years, ten years from now, he might come. I don't know. But what am I saying to you? Today is the day. Were you not doing it anything anymore for pretense? But Lord, I'm concerned about my soul. My soul is not right with you. My soul is far from you. That's why David said, take not your spirit away from me, but restore unto me. Take it not away. You are saying, God, I'm coming back. I've wandered away. My soul has wandered away. I've wandered to other things. I focus on my body. But I want to return to Jesus. I didn't understand my salvation. But now I understand it. And I want to come to Jesus and I want to make right. Very quickly, with every head bow and every eye closed. Don't worry about no one that is in this place. You take those few steps and you come and stand right here with me in the front. Come, come quickly, come quickly, come. Don't worry about no one. You just walk down that aisle and come. Don't look around, don't worry. You see, the problem is that you look around. Problem is that you're worried about what people are going to say. And you're scared to come. But don't worry about them. This is between you and God. This is not between you and that person. It's not between you and your friend. It's not between anybody else. It's between you and God. God, I don't want angels to escort me to hell. 
I want to be escorted to heaven. Don't be a fool tonight. Don't be a fool tonight. Don't be a fool tonight. Get wisdom. Apply what you heard. Say, God, I'm coming. I'm coming. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do it. But I'm coming. I'll follow you. I'll serve you. I'll walk after you. I'm making my life right. Everybody that is in the front, lift up your hands. Well, this is between you and God. You can play the music. Don't stop playing. This is between you and God. This is between you and God. You are standing before the King of Kings. You are standing before the Lord of Lords. You are standing before the great I am. He loves you. He doesn't want your soul to perish. He doesn't want you to go to hell. The Bible says, he says, it's his desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. As you come to repentance today, may God completely transform your life. This is a new day for you. We must get ready to take them in the room. This is a new day for you. Today you mark this day, you mark this day young girl, you mark this day young man. And you say today is the day we am saved. Today is the day where my life changes. Today is the day where everything becomes new. Today is the day where I stop messing around. Today is the day where I stop fooling around. Today is the day where I get my life right and in order. Today is the day. Say this with me, everyone. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight just as I am. Forgive me for my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. And from today, I'm a child of God. I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm new. I'm different. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. I feel the presence of God. I feel the presence of God. What can you give in exchange of your soul? Father, I know that this is formality. I know that in everywhere we go, when people make altar call, that people come and they come and they receive and they say this prayer. But Father, I pray with everything on the inside of me. Here are your children. I commit them to you. 
I commit them into your hands. I commit them into your care. Keep them strong. Help them overcome sin. Help them overcome every issue in life. Help them overcome all the obstacles that they are faced with. The enemy wants to snatch them away from you. The enemy wants to pull them out. Like he said to Peter, Satan desires to swift you, to take you out. But I've prayed for you that your fate will not fail. I pray for every one of them that their faith in you, not in the church, not in pastor, not in the system, but their faith in you fail you will stand strong regardless of the storms regardless of what they did last week regardless of what they did a couple of hours from now but that today will mark a change in their life that today will mark a change in their life. I pray for those that have not yet come, but that are supposed to come. I pray for grace. I pray that their eyes will open before it's too late. Keep them under your mighty hand and under your protection. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Very quickly, can you just go into that room? They're going to pray with you for a few more minutes and they're going to talk to you. They're not going to be too long with you. God bless you. Your life changed from today. There's somebody here today. There's somebody here today. Kalunda yavaridisi kibedea. I feel like it's like on your shoulders. It's like somebody standing on your shoulders. And pressing you down. Even it's like even in the night, it's like your shoulders become heavy and sore. And what is happening when you feel it like that? That's a spiritual thing. Because it's not literally somebody sitting on your shoulders. But it's like it materializes in the natural. Because it's like there's a lot of things happening in your life. And you feel like you've been drained and you've been pulled. Come very quickly. I want to lay my hand on you and I want to pray with you. 
especially that that's what I'm talking about it feels you feel like your shoulders are heavy you, like something pressing you down and it materializes in the natural way in the natural I'm not going to take too long to call right way in the natural it seems like lots of things are not going the way you want them to go and it seems like everything's just falling apart and it's like somebody's sitting on you it's you Toffy lift up your hands is there somebody else that feels like that come very quickly before I pray the spirit of God without my touching you without my interference he's gonna lift that person or that spirit not that person that spirit that is holding you down that's frustrating you that's causing things to not work out in your favor the spirit of God is removing that person right now receive right now yes it's lifting by the spirit of God the Bible says he lifts up heavy burdens it's like a heavy burden and the spirit of God is lifting that burden off you right now receive that lifting right now yes uh-huh yes that's it just receive as I pray in the tongues now just receive in the name of Jesus whatever stood in your way whatever standing on you Whatever's holding you down and is materializing in the natural, where there is so much on you, so much that is heavy on you, may it be lifted up right now. I see a financial heaviness pressing down. And the Lord is lifting it up now. Where there will become a relief. <coughs> will there be a relief for you financially? Come on, receive from the Spirit. Come on, somebody just pray in the Holy Ghost. Radaya Latu Sibra Andelemokata. Ah, it's breaking away from you right now. It's leaving you. Rimamando Sabrando Lekedea. And even I sense in the spirit that that emotional weigh you down. Emotionally you are weighed down. Emotionally you are weighed down. Kula Vadu Shikedea. Aramando Sikede la Karia Mando. Lebra Andea Sute. Rimandaya Laku Daya Kade Kadumbra Anda Lakue. Ravanda la dusi kede kataya, rikedea katandu sakate, rikataya la dusa kataya. In the name of Jesus, it's been lifted up right now. In the name of Jesus, receive. In the name of Jesus, receive it now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Receive it now in the mighty name of Jesus. Kaparute kete, rankatanda kundele kedea, rimakata. 
break now in the name of Jesus. Kapo rakapalo kete kata rikata ya kuli kata rinkapanda kuto rikata ya latonde kete kata rakata ya kile kato rakapara kato kete may it break now in the name of Jesus. Ka ah somebody open up your mouth and begin to pray. Rikete kete kata rikete kete kata 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 rikete kata kata masatole bileketeya. Break over your life. I break it now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's a breaking. One, two, kaparakotukitea. Three, let it break now in the name of Jesus. It's broken now. Broken now. Broken now. Broken. Broken, 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 broken. Let it break, let it break, let it break, let it break. Let it break, let it break, let it break, let it break, let it break. Let it break, let it break, let it break. Ke kata kata kata. Shekete kete kata. Makata kadukate kata. Receive that right now in the name of Jesus. There's it. One, two, three. Break now in the name of Jesus. Aha. There, you're receiving it now. Somebody received an SMS, a threatening SMS. Who you please comes like somebody threatened you. I saw somebody threatening somebody. I don't want to know what you done or what happened or anything like that. But it's like somebody was saying, I'll show you, I'll get you. Touch your Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, nobody here. Father, whoever sends a threat out to anybody that is in this place, I declare in the name of Jesus, whatever they intending to do to them, if they don't repent, if they don't change their mind, let it happen to them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Please don't come to me after the service and say somebody sent you a terrifying message, okay? I won't pray for you, alright? Okay. Amen. Lift up your hands. Hallelujah. Why would I have somebody? Oh, Tess is making you laugh. <laughs> Lift up your hands. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, the communion, the fellowship. Talia, come and pray for you. Come. Before I say this prayer, set your hands towards Solia in the name of Jesus. Do something new in our life. Something new in our life. Something new in our life, oh Lord. Behold, says the Lord, I do a new thing. Receive your new thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God, the communion, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Very quickly before I leave, for those that just came out now, I spoke and I said anybody received a threatening message. Somebody wants, like somebody said, I'll show you, I'll get you, or you'll, you'll pay back. Anybody received a message like that? Wendell, you? Oh, why are you waving your hand at me like that? Okay. Elizabeth, have you received a message from somebody saying that they're going to show you or they're going to pay you back or they're going to get you? Okay, cool. No problem. Just wanted to make sure. Yes. Yes, it's a threat. Yes, yes. Who threatened you? Okay. In recently oh come Ramon huh? yeah like a message a threatening message <laughs> hey you guys are into the specifics yeah? <laughs> let's stretch our way oh I finished pray father bless them in the name of Jesus amen it will not happen for you in Jesus name amen, amen.